Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash doctrine. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, yeah. or MP3 player. That's right. Man. That's good. 180,000 is a hard number to say. Not only is it a hard number, it's such a big number. That Audible is killing it. It's pretty big. Yeah. Oh, no, they're doing good, but like, just round up to 200,000, because that's easier to say. Well, no, because then that's actually... Uh, that's false advertising. No, not well, no, because what? They're, what they, liter- they're not saying literally two hundred eight thousand. They're just saying like, eh, like well, 100. no, it's like those church pastors that are like, you know, they've got one hundred twenty five people, and they go, oh yeah, one eighty. Yeah, that's lying. Well, that's what you're asking. Audible.com not if they, to not do. if they said like, we have like one hundred eighty thousand. Okay. <laughs> no one says that. That's why they said over. At least they, you know, for sure you're going to get. Oh, they could say a- under two hundred thousand. It's way easier to say two hundred thousand. No, way because if, under, if you say under two hundred thousand, then you're really saying you could be one. Yeah, that's true. It could be two. All that's under 200,000. <laughs> Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, mm-hmm. a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. Also a great assistant. I am Jimmy Fowler, elder candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. You are a great assistant. No, you're and the I greatest. want to affirm, I want I to want affirm to tell that. You and, like, that your gift you, of administration and your gift of helps is, right. is really beneficial. Not helpful, me. and I don't administrate. Um, I, I frustrate, I exasperate, but I, I, don't, those admi- are I don't administrate. You're the gift of the thorn. That's right. The flesh. That's right. Never heard that before. Um, I know, I'm pretty original, aren't I? Uh, you are, man. I'm you are. Good. You're an original assistant. <laughs> All right, Joe. How has your week been? I know you got a lot going on. Uh, yeah, I have um, a busy. Uh, well, ministry's busy, right? Mm-hmm. You know that. We're oh, yeah. always, you know, um, teaching, praying, and helping, and counseling. Had and, some hard meetings, but we also had some good meetings. Yeah. You know, we had one just the other e- the other night. Yep, yep. Yeah. And it was. I'll tell you what. Like, and I, I mentioned this on Instagram stories. Check it out. I, I mentioned this um, this week that, like Wednesdays in particular, uh, this past Wednesday was. A lot of meetings, and some of them were harder than yeah. others, but they were also good because in all of them, we get to pray. We get to pray That's with right. people, for people, That's and right. help people. And um, So yeah, so ministry's busy. Like shepherd people. We, get, we, we, we pastor people. Like, yeah. Like you pastor much. Like there's uh, a, <laughs> there is uh, we, we talk a lot about this, that the role of elders in the church is to shepherd the flock, mm-hmm. not to merely make decisions, not to run a nonprofit corporation, That's but right. to shepherd people. And so it's something that we, we want to do and want to do uh, better all the time. And we, we push each other in that quite a bit. So mm-hmm. ministry has been good. Uh, it's been uh, busy. And my, uh, my personal life, of course, is very busy. At night, I'm staying up late trying to finish these books for Moody, um, books coming out on ecclesiology. They'll be released sometime next year, so you can look forward to those. Mm-hmm. Um, grandma? How's Grandma? My grandma, who lives with us, uh, she went from uh, our home. She's 92. She went from our home to the hospital because she got really weak, mm-hmm. and then from from the hospital to rehab, and we're going to try and bring her home this weekend. Awesome. So we'll see. But it, She wants to come home. Yeah, she wants to come home. She misses. She likes hanging out with us and yeah. living with us. Uh, my mom and dad, who also live with us, are doing okay. Um, they have their own unique uh, needs, physical needs and whatnot. So. so if you've got any elderly uh, and, and inf- infirmed, you know, grandparents or parents, if they need uh, assistance. If they need assistance, send them over to the Thorn household. I think you're you're calling it the third Thorn Nursery? Well, the Thorn Nursery? Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like we started with that, but then like nursery, that could mean like flowers and gardens and stuff. So we're yeah. going to change it up, I think. Well, I thought maybe flowers and gardens because you kind of thought when they pass, then you have just that flower and garden to put on. That's dark, oh, man. I That's really pretty dark. <laughs> you went I there. Went dark. As soon as I said, I was like, this sounds like Joe right now. That's a Joe joke. That's oh. So yeah, it's this is been, what happens when we don't have a script. Yeah, well, that's why it happens a lot. So yeah, it's been it's been good, and um, I'm looking forward to uh, this this Sunday because Travel Rounds Travel is preaching. Rounds. Travel is one of our preachers, and he's, a, he's in my CG my he's community a, group. He's a young man, mm-hmm. and uh, so you need to check out RedeemerFellowship.org and check out his sermon that will should be uploaded Sunday night or Sunday Monday. night, Monday morning. Well, hold on, actually, by the time this goes out, it's it's already been out. Okay, that's right. So go 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 look it up. Travel Rounds preached the the last a, sermon. Yeah, at by far uh, our our best preacher. He's very good. He's very good. Yeah, so yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm looking forward too because I mean I feel like what I've been getting just. Uh, you know what I mean? I just I need more. Well, like listen, you can you can eat filet mignon every day, and as great as filet mignon is, it's going to get old after a while. So I understand what you're saying. Well, no, I'm thinking. You know, it's I'm, like you could you could. No, I'm thinking more like yeah. like spam. Like I've been eating spam, like fried spam, yeah, fried with spam onions. With That's onions. good. But now I'm I'm going to have a T-bone yeah. named Travel. Oh, that's discouraging. Oh see? no, you're, you're such yeah. a good. You're yeah, such yeah. A good, uh-huh. you know, yeah. you're really. Everybody's going to see that like. You are the mean person. No, I am the I am the good friend here. Okay, everyone knows that. All right, go ahead and we hit social media today, no, guys, no, no, we and don't let, do that. let us know who the mean person is in this friendship. Uh, how's your week going? Besides beating up on me, well, I pray for you a lot. That's good. You know, uh, I think of you often. Uh, no, the week's been going good. Um, it's kind of slowed down a bit, so getting back into my rhythm, which is nice. Uh, trying to spend time at home and and with the family. Uh, give Michelle a bit of a break. I think you know our kids are now in school and. Uh, Cohen's starting to get sick, or he's on the tail end, I should say, of strep throat. Uh, but Michelle kind of deals with all that. So just trying to be home more to kind of free her up to go and be out or just sit in our room and just Netflix. Watch you know? NCIS. That's what I do. I cannot believe you watch NCIS. I love NCIS. That's an old person show. So what? Oh it, is, my it is fantastic. You know what's weird, though, is like, because all the old people that I know at the cigar shop love mm-hmm. that show. But you watch it, and my daughter Catherine watches it. Well, that's because Catherine is amazing. She's an old soul. She's an that's old what it is. soul. Yeah, with purple hair. Wait, did she color it it's green? Not, is it green? It's now? like a lot of different colors right now. Yeah, like it's like yeah. I'm trying to remember now. It's like purple, blue, green. There's like a bunch of different colors. It looks good. I like it. So, what are we talking about today, man? Well, today we're going to be talking about election. Like so, like Trump versus Hillary. No, uh, that would be the destruction of America. We're okay. not discussing that. We're All talking right. about election. So, Joe, what is the doctrine of election? The doctrine of election in the Bible. All right. Well, um, instead of just you know opening up a book and reading somebody else's definition, we'll just mm-hmm. kind of come up with one on the spot. Um, typically, we talk about the doctrine of election from a reformed perspective as God's choice of specific individuals. For salvation, mm-hmm. before the foundation of the earth, um, according to uh, his own mysterious counsel and will, so that his choice of them is not dependent upon anything in them. He doesn't choose some to be saved because they are special, smarter, more spiritual, brighter, going to be more useful, um, but he chooses them uh, according to his own mysterious will. And this gets into the doctrine of foreknowledge, which is a, a related subject, but it's not quite the same thing. 
And so that may come up. We'll see where the conversation goes. But that's basically it. God has chosen some to be saved, and this salvation is undeserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one deserves it. What we deserve is the fruit of our sin, which would be condemnation. Uh, and yet, God has chosen to save some. So election really is this bright demonstration of grace. So yeah, if you look at things uh, or look at passages such as Ephesians chapter one verses three to fourteen, yeah, I'll just read the first part. Or I guess I'll read the whole thing actually, all uh, the way to fourteen. All the way to fourteen. I'm gonna go make a sandwich. Go all ahead. Right, go for it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. So there's that He chose us before the foundation of the world. So nothing we can do. Uh, in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, in which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Again, it's his sovereignty, his choosing, mm-hmm. his choice, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So it's perfect. Making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will against that sovereign so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory in him. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And you got to say, amen. After all that, amen. I know. So good, man. And there's a, there's a really high, picture of God, an exalted picture of God. And that's the way the Reformed community generally talks about it, that we have a high view of God, that's a God right. that is exalted, transcendent, that he is holy, that he is absolutely sovereign. I mean, all Christians will affirm that God is sovereign because it's a yeah. word that we see in Scripture that we've used um, in our theological conversations. So you can't say that God isn't sovereign and be orthodox. Yeah. But how do you define that? And how sovereign is God? We like to say that he's absolutely sovereign, that he is in control of all things at all times, and that he is sovereign in salvation, which in Ephesians 1 that you just read, man, I mean, he is completely sovereign in choosing us and in uniting us and in bringing us forth uh, to be in Christ now and forever. I mean, that is a, a beautiful doctrine. And it's something that we see uh, throughout Scripture. Yeah. Right? That I, so I had a guy. We, um, we led this guy to Christ. He became a, a new Christian. And uh, everybody becomes a new Christian, I suppose. He be, he was converted, mm-hmm. and um, he came to me after you know being with us for months uh, in one of our small groups and coming to church. And he said, uh, "This whole like predestination thing, this whole election thing, mm-hmm. I hate that. I think that's dumb." <laughs> and I said, "Well, uh, okay, just keep reading your Bible, man, because this was a new Christian, so yeah. he was reading his Bible. He was he was in the Word every day. He would do anything I told him to do, and like read the Bible, pray, do. And he's just like new convert. He's, like, he's excited. He's excited, man. He's ready to go." Um, and he comes back to me like two weeks later and he goes, I can't stand this. Every book of the Bible that I read, God's choosing people. Mm-hmm. He's, he's choosing Abram. He's choosing, uh, you know, uh, Israel he, uh, over and over again. And I see it in the new Testament and he just couldn't get away from it. And what, what we see consistently throughout the Bible is that in God's sovereignty, he is choosing people, uh, for his own purposes, and uh, his choice of the nation of Israel, his, his choice of individuals for salvation is all according to his mysterious 
will. So I think that, you know, that's one of those passages that you read that we, we oftentimes go to, not because it's the only one, but because it is so deep yeah. and beautiful. Um, but there are, there are many others. We could look at Romans eight twenty eight through 30, um, where Paul says, we know that for those whom the love, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according mm-hmm. to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined right. to be conformed to the image of his son in order that they might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. A lot of passages that we, that we can go to to yeah. see this, this highlighted truth about um, God's choice of some. So then, you know, why is it that, like, what's the struggle people have? Like, you talked about that one individual— um, that struggled with it at first. Like, why do you think people push against that? Well, I think some people push against it because they have perhaps a misunderstanding of what the doctrine of election actually teaches mm-hmm. from a Reformed perspective. And they're thinking about their experience. I was at a certain place at a certain time. Somebody shared the gospel with me, and I believed in Jesus. I remember I believe I I. I rejected my old life mm-hmm. and i i chose christ and i, I wasn't forced upon me i i, yeah. I was, I've freely chose that and you're seeming to say in their minds they're saying you seem to say that i don't have a choice in this that god chose me yeah but i did choose him so i think some people are confused over what we actually teach in the now, yeah and is that because yeah okay so you just said that so i think it's because of our phraseology and you got to talk you know like when you talk of uh doing the the altar call you know accept jesus into your heart today you know there's that there's that passive or not passive sorry there's an active sense to it, right? Like choose God, choose God, choose God. And so I think there's a struggle there because we've been teaching people that it's, it's about how you feel and do you feel up to it today? Yeah, but, but I would also say that so there's, there's bad evangelism out there, both in the Calvinist camps and in the non-Calvinist camps. And I think that when we're, when we're looking at how we invite people to believe in Jesus, what we want to do is we want to be ruthlessly biblical in our invitation. Yeah. So uh, what do we see in Scripture? Uh, believe, repent. Sure, you could use the word choose. Um, all of those things are, are valid. Uh, we are called and we are responsible for our rejection of of God or our confession of God. Uh, those are things that... So then how, how could we... Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but how you're saying two different... I feel like you're saying two different things here, and people might say that. You're talking about how the work of God in salvation, in choosing us, yet you're saying our responsibility in that. Right. So... What Calvinists, and one of the things that I've always found so attractive about the Reformed tradition is that from my reading, uh, the Reformed tradition is the group that most consistently says what all of Scripture says. Mm -hmm. And so what does Scripture say? Um, Scripture says that God has chosen us before the foundation of the earth. And and how sovereign is God anyways, right? Like everybody says he's sovereign, but um, does he determine when we're born and when we die, whether we are sick or whether we are poor? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, he does. When we live, like, so like whether we are are, are healthy or or sick, uh, we we can, we can look at uh, Samuel, for Samuel 2, or we can look at Acts 17. Um, you know, we, we can look at Job and 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 a, a number of other books to, that demonstrate mm-hmm. that God is sovereign over all of the aspects of our life. And even so much so that in the Reformed tradition, we believe that God has decreed all things. Yeah. Right. And so by the the decree of God, we mean that He has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. 
However, because we think we, we see that in Scripture. However, what we also see in Scripture is that human beings are responsible for their choices, for their decisions, and uh, they are, um, and they make those decisions. Mm-hmm. They make those choices without any external uh, compulsion or coercion. Okay. So God is sovereign over all things mm-hmm. at all times, and yet everyone is responsible for their actions, whether good or bad, and they make those choices of their, of their own, according to their own hearts. And so the mystery is not, does the Bible teach God's absolute mm-hmm. sovereignty? I think it clearly does. Does the Bible teach man's responsibility? I think it clearly does. Mm-hmm. The mystery then is not like, well, the election is a mystery. Election isn't so much a mystery, but how election and man's responsibility play together and mm-hmm. relate together, that's where the mystery lies in my understanding. And so when you read the Reformed Confessions, when you read the 1689 yeah. or the Westminster, they have... And now these are guys that believe in God's absolute sovereignty, man's total depravity, and monergistic salvation, and all of that. But they will have a section on freedom of the will. Yeah, and so, I mean, I want to push back to something you said there. It's not that I disagree, but I, I, a passage came to mind, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with Pharaoh and God. Mm-hmm. And if I'm remembering correctly, it talked about uh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart right. so that he would not let them go. So it's there's and and again but there was an ultimate purpose to to glorify God. So how do you kind of reconcile that together with kind of what you what I'm perceiving you you're saying because uh, I agree we we are all ultimately responsible for our actions. How do we look at Pharaoh there and in, in that uh, just that passage itself uh, where it seems like he's unable to choose otherwise. Right. And so I would say a couple of things. One is that whatever choice Pharaoh made, he made because he wanted to do it. There you go. That much is clear in Scripture. We do what we want to do. And at the same time, it's very clear that God hardened Pharaoh's heart Mm -hmm. and determined what the outcome would be, and the ultimate outcome is the praise of the name of the Lord. You see, um, again, the mystery is is how do we reconcile these things in our mind not are they reconciled. Spurgeon says, I don't, I've given up trying to reconcile God's sovereignty and man's responsibility because you don't need to reconcile friends. Oh, yep, yep. I've given myself up to believe them both because Scripture teaches them both. That's what Spurgeon said. So um, uh, that's kind of, and he's kind of a big deal. He is a big deal. And I, 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 I agree with him there. I think that that's, that's really good. So just for clarity, when we're talking about the will of man uh, and the sovereignty of God, here's what the 1689 uh, Baptist Confession says in chapter 9 on free will. In paragraph 1, it says, God has endued the will of man with that natural liberty and power of acting upon choice that is neither forced nor by any necessity of nature determined to do good or evil. Paragraph 2, man in his state of innocency had freedom and power to will and to do that which was good and well-pleasing to God, but yet was unstable so that he might fall from it, which we did. Mm -hmm. Paragraph three, man by his fall into a state of sin has wholly lost all ability of will to any spiritual good accompanying salvation. So as a natural man, being altogether averse from that good and dead in sin is not able by his own strength to convert himself or to prepare himself thereunto. In paragraph four, it says, when God converts a sinner and translates him into the state of grace, he frees him from the nature, I'm sorry, from his natural bondage under sin, and by his grace alone, enables him freely to will and to do that which is spiritually good. 
yet so as that by reason of his remaining corruptions he does not perfectly, nor only will that which is good, but does also will that which is evil. Mm-hmm. And then the last paragraph, five, is just one sentence. This will of man is made perfectly and immutably free to do good alone in the state of glory only. And so what chapter 9 tells us is that God created us with a will that was free, which means we could do whatever we wanted to do in accordance with our nature. Before the fall, we could choose good and evil. We could choose to glorify the Lord or reject the Lord. Um, Upon sinning and rejecting God, uh, we corrupted and spiritually destroyed ourselves uh, so that we are spiritually dead. And now our fallen nature, our sinful nature, is no longer capable of pleasing God. And I think that's the important part, right, is is that in quote-unquote free— Right, we're not really free. We're we're unable to. We're we're not really free to choose God at all. Right, because we. I mean, it's like we have the responsibility to choose. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, you know, it's like it would it would be for me. I, I sort of think of it like, um, I have the responsibility to, um, to take these, um, parcels and take them across the room and set them on a table. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I decided to saw off my legs for some bizarre reason. You went dark. I know. I went you dark. said I went dark. You, you went dark. So I saw off my own legs. I'm still responsible to do it, but I can't do it. It's impossible for me to do it now. Mm-hmm. I don't have the capacity to do so anymore. And there are different ways about talking about you know the will. Jonathan Edwards made a distinction between the moral ability and the natural ability. You know, he would say Jonathan Edwards would say that um, all men have the have, have the natural ability to do good. That's right. Um, They have the constituent elements in their being, in their soul to do what's right, but they no longer have the moral ability because of total depravity, which we have brought upon ourselves. Mm -hmm. That moral ability is only changed once God's regenerating grace hits us and causes us to be born again. So I think that, you know, when we're, when you read chapter nine or when you read uh, other parts of, of the 1689 chapter three on, on God's decree, Mm -hmm. uh, we see this, 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 I think this, picture that's beautiful and mysterious that God has decreed whatsoever comes to pass but yet he never violates the will of a creature they do yeah. what they want to do yeah it's what's in their nature and they're going to be held responsible for what they do good or bad and yet God is sovereign over it all I think our responsibility is to confess what scripture says and to simply be okay with it so I think people object to it sometimes because they misunderstand what we're saying yeah. I think some people object to it because they uh they simply don't like how it makes them feel. Not, yeah. and that's not, they want to be in charge is what, I, what I'm thinking you're saying. Right? I, yeah, I think some people um, like the idea. And listen, some people believe in Reformed theology for the wrong reasons too. Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm not saying this is why people reject Calvin. But some people reject this idea of God's sovereignty and the doctrine of election because uh, they, are, they are so invested in protecting this, their own concept of freedom of the will mm-hmm. that they have to do whatever it takes to... Um, to, to protect that. Yeah. And I know I'm looking around, I'm trying to find the book, um, evangelism and the sovereignty of God Packer. by Packer. I mean, he talks about right in the first chapter or two that functionally we're all, we all believe in this. We all believe in election because not, none of us, if we ask, if we're asked the question, did I save myself? Would ever believe I saved myself or that right. I chose, you know, uh, that I chose God of my own. You know, it's and and so functionally, and and even and even like prayer, he he used that as an example. Right. Just the fact that we pray proves we believe in the sovereignty of God 
uh, overall things. Especially in salvation. God, please save my brother. Exactly. That's an example <laughs> you use. Why, why, are you, why are you praying that way? If he has free will, man, God can't step in there and mess that up. Why, why pray to a God that can't do anything? Yeah. Right? Or, or at least won't do anything. Or won't. Yeah. Well, I th- well, no, see, I, but I think they think they, that he can't. Depends on the Arminian. Explain, because that is something I've not heard. And right. I, so it's not that God can't do uh, something like that, but that he won't in the minds of some, because he doesn't want to violate their will. He wants them to not be okay, robots. But, but there are others who would say that God cannot even know with certainty the future. These are open theists. Open theists, yeah. Right, which uh, is consistent. Greg Boyd, is that yeah. his name? Yeah. So consistent Arminian theology is, is how I conceive of it. Um, feel free to write in and, and tell me that we're, I'm wrong, and Jimmy will read that and respond to you for for me. Oh, yeah, um, all I'm going to say is na-na-na-na-na-na. Uh, <laughs> um, but some are so preoccupied with defending the notion of uh, human freedom that uh, they have to dismiss other doctrines because yeah. once, we, once we say that God knows the beginning from the end, That's right. you're locked in in terms of what is in, what will necessarily happen in this world once it's created. Because if God, like, so some people object, like, well, if, if God chooses some for salvation and passes over others uh, and doesn't choose them and they're just going to go to hell, like, then, like, that sounds cruel. I mean, God could have saved everybody. If it's just up to him, why didn't he do it? Mm-hmm. Even if you reject that idea and you're, you want to say, well, like, no, no, God doesn't choose. It's just all up to us. Okay, well, think it through. If, if God uh, simply doesn't, doesn't change the heart of man so that he believes he waits for man to respond. And once man believes, then he gets, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this relationship with the Lord and all that. If, if, if man must act first um, and God simply watches it and responds to that, uh, if God knows that before the creation of the world, then he also knows who will and won't be saved yeah. before he creates anything. Therefore, I mean, he could decide, I'm not going to create these people who will not believe. I'm only going to create these people who will believe. Um, we could also say that— Out of just grace, love, and mercy. Yeah, from, why, I why from create, a different why create, perspective. Yeah, that's it. Why create if they're going to be damned? In, in that perspective yeah, is what I'm that, thinking. Because I think there is an appropriate understanding of that uh, scripturally. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that makes sense. And we can, we can go to scripture for that in Romans 9. Or we can read the confession that I think explains that very well. But ultimately— if you say, um, no, I don't believe in the Reformed concept, concept of predestination mm-hmm. or election. Um, God simply knows what's going to happen in salvation. He doesn't determine it. Once God knows that and then decides to create, nothing can change from what he saw would happen. What he saw would happen has to happen. Nothing else can happen because God can't be wrong. So then you no longer have free will. You're, you're locked in. You're locked in no matter what, right? So, like, in other words, if God saw before the foundation of the earth that you were going to freely choose Jesus in 19... What year were you converted? Me? Uh, 97. All right. So, in 1997, uh, he saw before the found, before he created anything, Fofo is going to believe in Jesus in 97. Now, he decides to create the world. Time's running past uh, we hit to the 90s, we hit 97, there's that moment, there's that day. Can you do otherwise? No, I can't, because it's already God, been... God saw it. Yeah. God saw that it was going to happen. There is no... You can't surprise God in that. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think it works. I think you know, we both wind up with a position where we say, like, yeah, God created people uh, for heaven and hell, and know, knowingly, he yeah. did so. Now, how do we handle that? And I think Scripture, Romans 9 and elsewhere, deals yeah, with that. Yeah, and I think there's also a comfort to it, right? I think it's... Uh, it's it's comforting to know that that God chooses uh, because then I feel like now maybe we're talking some later on down the line 
as far as like assurance of your salvation, because I feel like if it's in, if I'm the one choosing, I could choose out of it. I could choose out of it or walk away or be done with it. Um, rather than believing and knowing that uh, we have been chosen by God, he is sustaining us and he will see us through to the end. Yeah. And, and let's, let's kind of hold on to that because yeah. I think there are a lot of practical benefits to this doctrine, a lot mm. of experiential qualities. In fact, you know, the doctrine of election, you, you really ought to conceive of this as, um, election experienced, right? That it's it's not just a doctrine that we articulate on paper or that we affirm with our mm-hmm. mouths, but it is a doctrine that should bear the fruit of faith and piety in our lives. So we're gonna we're gonna come back. We'll to come that. back to that. So that how about how about this? When did this doctrine become clear to you, Joe? Well, I was not raised in the church. Um, I didn't know any of the biblical stories except that I re- I read that God created the world in like a week or so. I couldn't remember. And that Moses, I read a little bit of Exodus and knew that Moses uh, killed uh, a guy and was on the run. That was all I knew. He was the fugitive. He was the fugitive and definitely had that Harrison Ford beard going Mm -hmm. for sure. For sure. Um, And then I'd heard a lot about Jesus and I heard the gospel quite a bit. And that's when I believed and then I started started reading. So anyways, um, I didn't know much, but... From the very beginning, experientially, if I'm just being honest, mm-hmm. um, I didn't make any decision to follow Jesus experientially. Yeah, um, I'd opened the New Testament for the first real time. I was reading the Gospel of Matthew on my bed, and God converted me. I went from not believing to believing. I went from absolute confusion to like strong confession in a, in a minute. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I never like raised my hand, walked an aisle. I didn't decide to follow Jesus. God changed my mind. I rolled off my bed and started repenting and praying. So experientially, it's it hasn't been a struggle. God did something to me mm-hmm. before I did anything for him. Um, and then as I read scripture, uh, to be honest, I, I just, I'd never struggled with it because I didn't have anything else to base it on. And as I was reading scripture, and I wasn't listening to Reformed radio, that wasn't a thing. Uh, this is back in 1990 for me. So there was no, you know, no internet, nothing like that. And I just... Um, read the Bible a lot, and I kept seeing that this picture of God's sovereignty and in life and in salvation, and I was okay with that. So for me, it was uh, pretty early on. In fact, I would say uh, about nine to 12 months into being a new believer, the pastors of the church that I was attending said that I was a Calvinist, and I had still not read a Calvinistic book or mm. knew what Calvinism was at that point. What about you? When did you? When did the doctrine of election come clear to you? Um, <clears throat> trying to think, it's probably seven years ago. Seven years ago, I, what happened was I think I've mentioned this before. I'd been in previous churches, you know, some were more charismatic, and so it was kind mm-hmm. of pushing. I was kind of pushing against that because as I would read scripture, I would sit there and say, "Well, no, this doesn't sound right. This doesn't sound right. I'm not seeing what you're what you're trying to say reconcile with scripture." You know, I'd hear people say uh, from the pulpit, you know, you won't find this in the Bible, but this is what I believe. In the media, I'm like, it's always good. I'm like, I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, you can't say that. That's nuts. I don't care what you believe. I want to hear what Scripture says about who God is and what He has done. Um, and so I, I, I push back, and I was in some pretty unhealthy churches, or at least this one church I'm thinking of in particular was very unhealthy, and it. Uh, so essentially what I would do is I would only go there because I felt like I had to go there 
because uh, I did not want the neglect, uh, you know, neglect getting gathering together as as a community. And I love the people, and I still love the people, and they love me, and they love my wife. Um, but I couldn't listen to the sermon, right? And so I would just sit there and read scripture, you know, during the sermon, um, and would just be reading and reading and reading. And as I was reading, I just kept being convinced about the doctrine of election of of limited atonement. I, I kept being, uh, I kept, I guess what I would call, I didn't know what it was called then. I didn't know it was called reformed theology. Sure. You know what I mean? I, I had no understanding of that at all. Uh, I just knew that uh, in my head, I was just thinking, uh, this is biblical. This is what scripture says. Uh, and I was getting pushed about it and, uh, no one really called it that. Uh, but I still did struggle. I still did struggle with, um, with like limited atonement, you know, that, that aspect of it. I struggled with that too. Yeah. And so it was until, um, it was actually until I was at a new church, which was definitely reformed, um, and was part of a Bible study. And we got to watch a five part video teaching of the man, John tattooed up Piper. What? He ain't got the tattoos. Yeah, that's what it's called. John Tattooed Up Piper. Okay. Um, on Tulip is what it was called, Tulip. And so, I mean, I kept I kept having to come back to, as you were talking about, like reconciling, understanding that these things were friends. Yeah. Um, and really, I, I was sold on the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. I understood, I, I, that I got. And so just having, for me, it was just kind of, uh, if God is sovereign and God chooses then later it, it all, everything fits together after that then. Right. You know what I mean? And so, uh, so yeah, it was just a few years ago and it was just from reading scripture, um, watching John Calvin do the tulip thing. And <laughs> I think Piper. I watched like an RC Sproul thing 10 years ago. I didn't realize what he was talking about. Right. Uh, in that member, I mentioned that Jesus freak thing. So they had us do this, uh, with, with Dave DeJong up in Canada. Uh, we'd watch this like, whole teaching series by, by Sproul on the old Testament. Right. Um, and he was talking about it, but I didn't realize what he was talking about till later. Yeah, man. I, there's, there's, a, there's, there's so much good teaching out there today available to people mm-hmm. that, to really help them work through it. And, you know, praise God for guys that have highlighted this, you know, guys like John MacArthur, who've had a very big platform who teach this doctrine very clearly. Mm-hmm. Obviously RC Sproul is has really led the charge in bringing full reformed theology out into the yeah. mainstream for people to to comprehend uh, at a, at a at a level that doesn't require a, a master's degree in theology yeah. in the Bible. Uh, so you know, praise God for him. And you know, as as reformed theology has continued to grow and expand, there are just more and more resources available: podcasts, magazines, articles. Yeah, and uh, even music. Yeah, even even hip hop music. You know, I, we hear often in from. Uh, from individuals how they came to the reformed understanding yeah. through listening to, to, to artists like Shy Lin. Yeah. And we've actually like recently you and I talked to Shy Lin and before that we talked to Thistle about yeah. their understanding of reformed theology, how it got a hold of them That's and right. then how it bled out through them into their art. That's right. So I mean, yeah, it's 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 and of course we've got the documentary coming out. Bam. Les Lanfear, mm-hmm. Calvinist. Calvinist. Did you make it into that? Are you in that documentary? Because Travell is. No, I'm, no. I'm in there. I think I'm eating. Oh. I think he's got me like eating food oh, with him. He has you doing the hair flip. Hey, listen, everyone. We'll put that up. Yeah, That'll be up in no, the show notes. No, 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 no. Look for the Fofo hair flip in the documentary called and Calvinist. I don't know if he's actually got that in there. I think he just had it as part of his Oh, I've got it. Okay. You know what, though? 
I've got the gift. No, no, I gotta charge money for that. No, no, no. That that is free gift. We give freely. We give free. (laughs) Like humble beast. It ain't like my Wi-Fi. I don't give it out freely. No, no, you charge people. Jimmy's charging me right now to use it. Red his house. Yep, by every minute. All right, man. So, um, when when you think about the 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 doctrine of election, Mm -hmm. um, that God's choice of some people of God's you know God's choice of you, I want to tease this out a little bit. Um, All right. What impact does that have on you, on your heart? What impact should this have in our lives and in, um, in, our, in our affections for God? Don't answer. Oh. Because first. Oh, yeah. We're promoting audible.com. Audible.com. We promote audible.com because they, like, they sponsor us. Because mm-hmm. they so believe in us and That's what it. we're doing and what we're about. Exactly. They're like, so, we, they want to hook up our audience with free audiobooks. And that's you. So for the listeners of Doctrine Devotion, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to check out their service. And you know what? We're going to want to recommend all this week, Institutes of the Christian Religion by John Calvin. Go get it. Go get it. You might not have time to sit there. and I mean, it's, it's big. I got to wait. It's two it? volumes. Two man. volumes right over there. And it takes a while to kind of go through. You know, and oh, so look, you got the paperback versions. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> oh, are you laughing at my paperback? <laughs> you version? got the two paperback. No, it's cool, man. It's cute. Go ahead. Oh, I've also got the reader. See that a reader's guide? <laughs> oh, that's what you got at Judson College, isn't it? No, that was for mm-hmm. Moody Bible. Okay, well, you didn't go to Moody Bible. I did online class. Oh, okay, good yeah. for you. Look at did you. Did a few online classes. Yeah, well, you're like a scholar that spreads it out. You're all over the place. I'm all over the place. Right. So, anyways, Institutes of the Christian Religion. You can grab it. You can so hear good. it. You can listen to it. Listen to a a chapter or a paragraph on your way to and from work. And so to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash doctrine, uh, and you can go ahead and get your free audiobook there. Yeah, you sign up for a, a free trial, mm-hmm. uh, and you can cancel anytime. So, like, if you can cancel You ain't after, locked in. Yeah, you can cancel it after a day. You can cancel it. You can try it for a month if you want. You get to keep the free book. That's it. That's what's cool. But uh, that's what's cool. And... It helps us out a little bit. Yeah, if you want to support the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people ask, how can we support the podcast? Well, we got some opportunities We're working up. on it. We're working on it, but right now, you can shop through Amazon for us, That's or it. we would love for you to go to Audible because uh, they actually are offering something really cool that Jimmy and I have both really benefited from. All right, so you teased it out. Yeah. What? Do you, okay. The, what is the practical implication and the experiential relevance of the doctrine of election in your life. Can I, I can answer this? I yeah, can answer I'm, it I'm asking you right now. I can answer I'm, it? I'm asking. One word. Humility. Yeah, it's true. Humility, because I think it, it really, for me, I am a proud individual. Uh, I love the idea, or I like the idea better that I am in control of things, because mm-hmm. you know that. That's part of like my administrative You're bossy. Mindset. You're bossy. I'm, I'm a very bossy guy. If I... I want things to be done a certain way, and it's got to be my way because it's the right way. And so it's really it was hard for me, I think, part of it dealing with, with election because it took the control and the power and the choice, you know, in that regard, from me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't me choosing God. It was God lovingly choosing me. And so even looking at that passage uh, from Ephesians, that before the foundations of the world, before anything I could do, no matter I couldn't earn his love in any way or earn his grace or earn his, his mercy. It was just his sovereign choice in saying, I choose you. And that's incredibly humbling. Yeah. And it's, it's even like when I think about it, cause I, I, I love that. And we don't talk about what we're going to say here. Yeah. We're just gonna talk about election, but um, I love that you use the word humility because you know, it's not only that we wouldn't choose God 
but that we rejected him. That's right. Like we said, no, go we're away. Enemies we hate what you're about. We love what we're about. And God says, no, I love, I love you as a sinner. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send my son to die for you. And I'm going to send my spirit to regenerate you. And now to, uh, to just to show you how smart you are, Jimmy. Oh, yeah. uh, the 1689. Oh, yeah. Chapter three, paragraph seven. Chapter Listen to this. Okay, the doctrine of the high mystery of predestination is to be handled with special prudence and care that men attending the will of God revealed in his word and yielding obedience thereunto may, from the certainty of their effectual vocation, be assured of their eternal election. So shall this doctrine, this doctrine of election, predestination, so shall this doctrine afford matter of praise, reverence, and admiration of God, and of humility, diligence, and abundant consolation to all that sincerely obey the gospel. Bam. Bada bam. Bada bam. So even like as, as, as the, uh, the Reformed community was, was articulating their theology for, you know, obviously the Westminster and, you know, Savoy pulling from that and the Baptist pulling from that mm-hmm. and, and everything, there is not just a, um, uh, a statement of like the facts, this is what this doctrine teaches, but of what this doctrine should do That's to it. us. There should be humility. There should be uh, praise. It should mm-hmm. lead to worship. Um, it should lead to consolation. Yeah, and I think that's. I think there's. There's. Now, this is my. Sorry, that's for me to remember. <laughs> so Jimmy is holding up. I still two I remember because I don't have hold, my note. I don't have my pen in front of me. Jimmy is holding up both hands, <laughs> and and instead of like, if you were to hold up like two peace signs with your hands like while you, I'm talking, like, it's super, like doing a Nixon. Okay, so instead of holding up, he's got his middle <laughs> finger on top of his index finger. And he's holding them up like this while I'm talking, and I'm like, I keep like, what is he doing that for? Is he trying? It looks like, he, it looks like they're the same, like, like it was a, it was a goal, like touchdown. No. <laughs> That's what it looks like. No, it's so I can remember because I had a thought in my head, and okay. my thought is uh, how, and I'm I'm overgeneralizing here, but I know it's something, it's a danger I have to work through and have to be aware of that as as Calvinists, as uh, as Reformed be- believers and Reformed Baptists. Uh, we could come off extremely arrogant, but we should be the most humble people. Yeah. We should be, we should be incredibly humble to those around us because we, we know that we know the truth. We know a truth here that God chooses despite our wickedness and our evil. Right. And that we should, that should be a humility to God. And that should also translate to humility to others. Um, in seeking to to love them and care for them as they sort through these doctrines. Absolutely. So, like, what you're saying is, Calvinist, you ain't smart. No. You ain't worthy. No. You're not big. Uh-uh. You're punk. That's right. And God loved you anyways. And so why don't you love other people? Yeah. I mean, and, that, and when you say that, I know you're saying that to us, too. I'm saying that yeah. to us, and I know I'm overgeneralizing. But it's I know fair. I'm it's overgeneralizing. Fair. We, we've, we've got... So don't write in and say, Fofo, you unfair, because... Uh, if I, uh, first of all, if you write in and say, Fofo, you're unfair, then oh. I'm going to say, let me go ahead. Give me the contact information of your wife, your kids, your parents, your siblings, your pastor, your people in your community group, and let's find out how unfair I am. Also, um, because you can see how thorough and vengeful Jimmy is. So <laughs> I'm don't, a very don't, vengeful Don't person. poke him. <laughs> don't, don't poke the Fofo bear, please. 
He will lose his mind. You know, you know. But what? I know it's overgeneralizing, and I get that. There's plenty of people yes. out there. Listen, like, there are um, Piper. There are Arminian. There are Arminian blowhard jerks. There are yeah. anti-Calvinist blowhard jerks. I feel like there's more of us. I though. think there's more of us. I feel I like think, there's more. And listen, of us. I used to. Be, I was the biggest angry, pugnacious, you, loudmouth, arrogant. You are. Jerk. I know. No, no, no. I, I, I was. Think... I was. I'm not anymore. I'm good now. Oh yeah, that's, all, what, all that, good. that's what I said, right? Yeah. I said, I, I no. Okay. So, um, one of the things that that reformed theologians love about the doctrine of election is mm-hmm. that it is a catalyst for evangelism. You know, people don't people don't think of it that way. People, especially right. that aren't familiar with reformed theology, they tend to think like, well, if if got Jimmy's holiness fingers up, I again. got a thought. Keep going. All right. So. Um, a lot of people think like, well, if you're a, if you're a Calvinist and you believe that God is already predestined, who's going to be saved? And you don't have any motive to evangelize. Mm-hmm. And the Calvinist says, no, I share the gospel because number one, God commands it in His Word. That's right. Number two, He has ordained the means of evangelism. That's right. As uh, He has ordained the means of evangelism to bring the elect to faith. Mm-hmm. And third, I have a heart for people. And because I don't know who is and who isn't elect, I preach the gospel indiscriminately to everyone who will listen. And number four, the doctrine of election gives me supreme confidence that I can't fail as long as I make it plain. I just preach the gospel and God does mm-hmm. the work. So evangelism, evangelism is motivated by good reformed theology. If you are a Calvinist and you are cowardly in evangelism, then you are not a you You're terrible at mm-hmm. Calvinism. Bro, do you even Calvinism? <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what we have to say to you, because Calvinism should give you confidence yes. in your evangelism. Because what we're talking about is the sovereignty of God in the work of salvation that we simply don't have the power to pull off. And not just not just Calvin, or, uh, not just confidence, but freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, actually, I got a message yesterday. I was Facebook in Facebook messaging with a uh, with a brother up in Vernon, British Columbia. We have some. Is that uh, Canada? That's Canada. So, British Columbia. Why do they call it British Columbia? That's what's called Columbia. That's weird. Well, I don't even know what is this well, Col- Columbia. I mean, I just would feel like British Columbia. Yeah, British Columbia. It sounds. Like a, it sounds like a terrible place. It is beautiful and gorgeous. And so, is, this it, is it like Columbia? Another... Is it like the real Columbia? No, 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 no. Maybe. But... I've never been to either. <laughs> no, Go ahead. No, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's great. Anyways, from a brother from uh, Vernon, British Columbia, uh, and we actually have some. Uh, mutual friends that oh you told me about this yeah guy. yeah that uh, when I was with Young Life of Canada and I remember before fully I should say fully before uh, the doctrine of election I would work hard I would work so hard to try to get kids saved I would try to be uh, I would try to be practical I would try to be intelligent I would I would try to combat their um, their critical thinking and their disbelief. And I would think I'd have to try to figure out some great scheme to get them to finally understand and to believe. Right. Uh, and it wasn't until I, I started understanding more the doctrine of election where I had this immense freedom in knowing it's not about how hard I work at doing this, that it's the spirits work in, in the lives of these youth. And I was free to just, love them and proclaim the gospel not with any less fervency or passion uh but i was free knowing that i didn't have to try to come up with a gimmick to right. get them to believe the pressure was off of you having to that's persuade right. them it's uh, not in, your, in your own ability that's it 
Yeah, because like you're an earnest guy, and mm-hmm. you know the the guys that I know that are Calvinists and who share the gospel, they're they're earnest. They implore people, and they are concerned, and they do work hard, but they do not fret. That's right. Because they believe, well, no, God's got this. That's right. I, I can preach the gospel, and I can lay my head down at night and trust that God is good and that God's got this. So, Joe, what kind of what books would you recommend uh, for those? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend one. Well, you already recommended one. And I'm going to do it again. Same book? Same book. Okay. I'm going to go with Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God by, by J.I. Packer. What does J.I. stand for? Yeah, you know. Her, her, uh, Javier. Javier Indacio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a good book, man. It's a yeah. little book. It's worth your time. We've read it a couple of times. A couple each. hours. Yeah. It's going to take you a couple yeah. hours. It's, 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 it's really, really good. Sam Storms has a book uh, on election that's really good as well. You should check that out. Um, definitely a helpful read. Definitely. If you are in our denominational tribe, the Southern Baptists, uh, I'm going to link to a book uh, that is a collection of, of historic Southern Baptist sermons on this very doctrine. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Southern Baptist and you, you're like, what are these guys talking about? And I, it doesn't sound very Baptist to me. Well, not only is it Baptist, it's also Southern Baptist. And uh, it's a good collection of sermons that will be, um, will be helpful to you. But Sam Storms is, is so good on a lot of these things and breaks it down in a way. Uh, Chosen by God by R.C. Sproul is another mm-hmm. good book. Uh, you know, it's very easy to read. Uh, it, it's, it's not going to cause you much trouble. If you want to get a classic on this that's going to take you beyond what we've been talking about here, we're just chatting. But if you want to go deep and, into a classic, Lorraine Bettner's The Reformed Doctrine of Predestination. Mm-hmm. That's the one. that I love that book. Oh, you know what else? Go ahead. A.W. Pink, The Sovereignty of God. Ah, so good. Dang it. I was just looking at my shelf trying to find that one. You've got lots of Perry Noble up there. Well, you know, Perry— You've got a lot—you've got—I see Stephen Furtick's books. You've got, like, a Furtick okay. collection, yes. and you've got a Perry Noble collection. I'm Why a are they on the fan. same shelf? Is that, like, your, is that your, like, your fanboy shelf? Those are the guys fan. you love the most? I'm a, I'm a Furtick fanboy. Okay. Code Orange, man. Code—I don't even know what that means. What does oh, that mean? Oh, man. What does that mean? Well, I don't want to be—I'm not going to be beating up on people, but— what I do? Is no, it- Code Orange. It's uh, well, it's uh, it's it's worse than Sunny D. You know what Sunny D is? I don't even know what we're talking about. Right do you know now. what Sunny D is? Yeah, like the the drink. How bad is that? It's pretty bad. It's, it's all pretty sh- bad. It's all sweet. It's all what? It's all sweet and sugary. Sugary. Okay. Yeah. It's all sugary. Um, yeah. Code Orange is way worse than Sunny D. So you're trying to say Furtick is fake? Um, saying that-, that the Code Orange Conference is crazy. There is some crazy stuff. Now, hold on. Code Orange, is that put on by Furtick? Yes. Okay. He's Southern Baptist, isn't he? I don't want to talk about it. All right. I'm just, just throwing that out there. No, I'm not a Furtick it, fanboy. It's, it's a, what, well, you got all of his books on your shelf? I don't have okay. I'm looking at it right don't there. Don't lie. I, have, I don't you, even have, you, I don't there have There are four one. Furtick books. I do one, not have two, one. No, I'm sorry. There's three. One, I do two, not three. Have any and then there are three Perry Noble books. One, two, three. I'm actually trying to look around. I know I have some heresy here. Well, of course you do. You should. If you have a good library, you're going to have lots of heresy. I know I got some. You just need a little sticker, a little skull and bone sticker put on it so your kids know. Yeah, don't, don't read. Don't read this. Don't Or, or if you do read this, understand this. it's poison. So those are some, those are some really good books to, um, to check out, and we'll link to those in the show notes so you can check them out. We want to give a huge shout-out and thanks to Justin Bond of J-Bond Media. He's the audio and visual wizard of doctrine and devotion. We just had him up here for the weekend. 
uh, getting some stuff recorded, some videos done with Dr. Ed Stetzer. That so was actually, fun. This week, I think we're going to be releasing a promo video. I think so. For people who you can see, uh, that look for that to drop sometime this week. Um, kind of just get a taste of what it's going to be about. And we're going to have more details to follow in the upcoming weeks. But Justin Bond, J Bond Media, if you've got any video, audio, or photography needs, call Justin. Also, uh, you know, you can help us out here at Doctrine and Devotion by leaving us reviews on iTunes, uh, all the other podcasting platforms as well, but iTunes is the big one, and so the more reviews that we get there, the, the better that is for us, so go ahead and, and do that for us if you can, if you like the podcast. If you don't like the podcast, then don't bother. You've got more important things to do. Uh, you can go and you know, watch Code Orange or whatever. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, at Doc and Devo. You can hit us up on our Facebook page, just Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. And if you want to leave us a comment or send us a message, you can go to our website, and we have a Contact Us page. You click on that, you fill out the form, and you can tell us anything you want. You can tell us we're crazy, that we're stupid, that you don't like us, or you can tell us that we're awesome and you want more episodes, whatever you want. And we will read those, and we will respond. Uh, in fact, uh, Mailbag is coming up later this week. Bam. And so we're going to be answering a bunch of the questions that you guys have sent in to us. <laughs> I forgot. Look at that. What do you got? I have Warren Wearsby stuff there. Well, that's all right. <laughs> That's all right. Of the B skillful. Yeah, though no, you got the B series. <laughs> you and Steve McCoy, a lot of you guys like the B series. Oh gosh. I stick with uh, you know, New International Greek Testament leave- commentary. I stick with uh, that kind of a thing. You, New International Greek Testament. Yeah, Greek I, I, Testament. I like those. Those are you good. You like those? Nicot Pillar International Commentary of the New, New Testament. Pillar, Pillar Commentary. New yeah, Pillar. I like those. Those are good. I don't. I don't. Not too familiar with the B series. The B series. Yeah. Oh, Warren is the yeah. man. Show notes. Show notes. What? All right. Anyways, uh, you will leave a comment uh, with any of your ideas, your thoughts, your suggestions. You head out over to doctrineanddevotion.com, click the contact us page, fill out the form, send it out to us. I just said all that. You weren't even listening. You I was not at listening. I was you repeated what I just <laughs> said because you were looking at your dumb, you looking, looking through all your Furtick books. Oh, I know I have some heresy here. Okay. So uh, do us a favor. And Rocky movies. Tell your, on VHS. On VHS. <laughs> what kind of a backwoods? Who has VHS tapes? Shh, you, hey, Ben, those are, that's Rocky. Okay, well, f- listen, Rocky one was good. Uh, but you don't have Rocky. Bel- you don't have Rocky Balboa. You don't have the newest one. No. That was good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Rocky uh, Balboa was good. What was the one after that? The one. No, that, the very the last one was Rocky Balboa. Oh, you mean, oh, Creed. Creed. That was good, too. Creed was good. But that's, hopefully they're going to do more. Yeah, they are. Kind of going through that perfect. I'm All right, so so listen, I'm, I'm, before you repeat other things that I've said unnecessarily, I'm so just going to tell you everybody. So we need you guys to go leave a review at iTunes. Uh-huh. Uh, we appreciate that all. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at Doc and Devo. And we also got a Facebook fan page. This is my life. Uh, you can, tell uh, your friends. Tell your friends. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. That would be great. We'll see you next. Well, coming up, uh, if you're listening, when this comes out, it's Monday. Uh, but we're, we're available with new podcasts mm-hmm. every Monday and Thursday. Thanks for checking it out. Sounds good, guys. We're here every Monday and Thursday. Uh, and we will see you guys later. <laughs> I hate my life.